Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest on today's episode is Andrei Bjekelowicz. Um, I hope I've said that correctly. I probably haven't, but it's. I think it's a good effort. Um, this is a, a super exciting kind of special episode of the of the show. So let's uh, let's get some context for this episode. So um, as you know, the the show because I say it all the time. I mean, you probably skip, but the the show has a, a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints. Any donations very gratefully received, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I put a tier, a reward tier on the Patreon. Um, if you pledge, sort of, I think it's ten dollars, um, you can be a guest on on the show. Um, I, I realize in retrospect. That was a really stupid thing to put up because you know who knows who would have uh, who would have applied for that and which is not to say by the way that you know listeners to the show are boring. I, I'm certain that I could have uh, an interesting discussion with with any of the listeners of the show. Um, but what what I kind of lucked out on basically is that Andre kind of lived through such history. Um, like not only is he, I mean, he's very engaging and he's entertaining and he clearly loves games and he's got an excellent memory. But um, through growing up in in Serbia you know, during the '90s, when you know the country was kind of in in turmoil, you know the, this is after the the breakup of the former Yugoslavia, and there was there was wars. There was you know Slabdan Milosevic was a, a pretty bad dude. There were UN sanctions against the country, so video games could not get in or out uh, except via various black market means. And so the stories of growing up with games um, for Andre is are just fascinating and the stories i've never heard anywhere else you know these kind of uh little sega clubs popping up in these big kind of um blocks of flats where people lived and makeshift kind of pc shops ran by grandparents and just incredible stories that, that as i say i've not heard anywhere else and i was so lucky and so delighted to to chat with andre i think it's i think it's really good and special and kind of yeah, I mean, it's not obviously, you know, it's not a big marquee developer name or anything like that. But I think it, nevertheless, it's one of my, one of my favorite episodes purely because it's just full of stories that I hadn't heard anywhere before. Uh, and I think you'll really, really uh, enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I missed last week's episode. I did say that I'd be very busy. Um, and I was. I was busy doing really good stuff, though. Um, like, Checkpoints isn't my my job uh, because most of you are too stingy to to give to the Patreon. <laughs> that's not true um but you know I'm, I'm i'm a writer and you know as i'm sure there are writers that listen to the show most of your life is spent like failing basic basically uh pitching and not getting pitched but i've had a, a few things picked up recently uh one of which was a is a bbc uh, radio 4 afternoon drama um so last week i was actually in london recording that hence uh, no new episode so that'll be a in a few months i think i'll definitely let everybody know and it was amazing like oh my god such a real thrill. I mean, I'd never felt imposter syndrome so keenly in my life, but uh, it was an amazing week. Uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, I missed a week. But this hopefully will will make up for it. Um, just basic admin stuff. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, it's checkpointspodcast at gmail dot com, or it's at checkpoint show on Twitter, or it's checkpoints podcast on Facebook. Um, 
yeah, it's very important to have consistent branding, etc. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really, I'm really giving my my chat no respect. This is this is the admin ad chat, no respect uh, intro. Uh, also, if you really like the show, um, which I've had no new reviews this year, so please do uh, put a review on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to the show uh, it really helps kind of spread the word of the show please do share it around as well especially this episode because because it's not kind of a, a known developer or you know in person in the industry it's not likely to kind of garner as much interest as some of the others so so please do share it around if you if you enjoy it um i think it's really good and i think it's a story that's you know worth people listening to um okay that'll do for my uh, my intro i'll be back next week as always with a new episode and a new guest. For now though, let's get on with the show. Um, well, let's do, I'll, I'll start with the, the regular um, intro. So, um, Andre, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Yeah. So my name is, uh, well, in Serbian, it's Andrej Bjelakovic, which I guess you could anglicize to Andrej Bjelakovic. Uh, so I'm 30 years old. I live in Belgrade, Serbia. And that's pretty much it. And um, what, what do you do? Like, what is your, oh, what yeah, is your yeah. living? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I teach at the Belgrade University in the English department uh yeah i teach like um sort of uh, intro to phonetics and phonology and pronunciation to to freshmen usually that's so exciting like i always i mean because i'm obviously uh an idiotic british person i, I i'm always surprised that english when taught in other places is like a second language and not necessarily the same sort of course that i did like i've got an english degree but perhaps slightly different yeah it's probably the the emphasis probably on literature and stuff like that yeah absolutely um yeah. So, so how your english is impeccable like so where, where did that <laughs> come from like where and you've you've also um, got a, a kind of an odd accent so i'm assuming that's from where you would have learned it no well uh, mostly from watching tv when i was yeah. a kid because we we don't dub uh tv shows and 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 films um so yeah we use subtitles uh, but uh also i've got some relatives in england so i've i've visited them a couple of times yeah you've got a very kind of obvious kind of english accent yeah <laughs> you don't seem thrilled about that but okay <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i am i am <laughs> so so this is um this is this is the first kind of special patreon backer episode actually i have done a couple of others but um they were kind of people that were already working in games, I guess. So I was already speaking to them. But this is someone like completely out with games, but clearly someone who who loves them. So um, I suppose like an obvious place to start then is Andre. What was your very first experience of a video game? Yeah. Well, uh, so let me let me first sort of set the stage. So um, I was born in 1986, but back then that was not sort of uh, that was the current the, the the current name of the country is Serbia, but back then that was that was Yugoslavia, right? Okay. So uh, yeah, and as, as some of your listeners may know, we we had a sort of a civil war in the 90s, and and the country um, sort of. Uh, split into six 
smaller countries. Yeah. Back in the 80s, uh, what I, uh, I obviously I don't actually remember the 80s because I was born in 1986. Yeah. So my earliest gaming memories are from the early 90s, but uh, I've heard from sort of older gamers that sort of back in the back in the 80s they they were all sort of raised on uh, one arcades and then two um, Commodore 64. Uh, now, but but uh, I've never had a uh, Commodore 64 I've, I've never seen a Commodore 64 <laughs> so I, I don't I can't tell anything about the sort of that part of the sort of Serbian uh, uh, gaming history yeah um, yeah um, so, so, so yeah uh, I, I don't remember my actual very first game but I do remember sort of a couple of different things which which happened around the same time so I, I think this was um, Around the time I was six, so for the first sort of five or six years of my life, I, I don't think I've ever played a video game or, yeah. or maybe even seen a video game. Uh, but around the time I was six, so what happened was uh, each year I would go with my mum to sort of the um, to the seaside, to what is uh, to Montenegro, basically. That's the closest sort of... Um, uh, seaside uh, to, to 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 Belgrade. Okay. And um, in each of these little sort of uh, coastal towns in Montenegro, you would have at least one arcade. Okay. So um, uh, at first, I would just sort of pass by these arcades and was sort of sort of uh, they seemed interesting and, and oh, flashy and exciting. Flashy yeah. And stuff, yeah. 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 And at one point, at one point, I sort of asked my mum if I could approach them and just watch other people play. Um, and then at one point, uh, I, I think I sort of uh, asked the permission to to actually try playing one of them and so on. So what I remember from uh, from from that time is uh, one of the games that was very popular and pretty much in each of these arcades was uh, Street Fighter 2. So it's one game that I remember. Uh, uh, but the game that interested me the most and the first game that I played uh, in an arcade was Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. I don't know if you remember that one. Absolutely love that game. Yeah. So there's probably the single most popular game in these arcades in, uh, throughout Serbian Montenegro. I think it was based on a comic, if it's if I, if I remember it rightly. Yeah, but it was just yeah, a brilliant it, like Capcom side-scrolling beat 'em up, which is I think my favorite genre for a good couple of years when I was a kid. They did a whole yeah, yeah, sequence of brilliant ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and yeah, uh, so uh, aside from those two, I remember uh, these arcades would usually have Operation Wolf. I think it was called with mm -hmm. those two little like actual sort of plastic machine guns then you would aim at the screen and and, and shoot you, you have yeah. crosshairs and yeah, yeah. Uh, then also that game where you like a little boy shoots um at the balloons i think it, it was at pang yeah pang where you, you big balloon becomes two smaller balloons becomes four yeah, yeah. smaller balloons oh it's a brilliant game exactly but that seemed too difficult for me so i would just usually just watch other kids play and then um is it Raiden or Raiden? The, the bullet hell game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was... I don't know the pronunciation cool. either. Yeah, probably Raiden. That was also pretty common. Um, and uh, one other sort of game similar to Street Fighter 2, which was... Um, I later f sort of I googled it. Uh, it's called Power Instinct. 
Okay. It's also sort of one v one fighter game uh, where I, I remember one character which was like a little old, um, probably Japanese granny, which which was sort of uh, probably some kind of a witch and so on. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so these arcades would have obviously arcade machines and usually pinballs, and I would spend because I usually didn't have a lot of money. I would just spend hours watching other kids other kids play or usually older boys and then uh all my sort of coins would be spent on on cadillacs and dinosaurs but i wasn't too good so i would maybe reach sort of the first the first boss and then uh maybe the butcher which is the second boss and, and that would be it of course years later i was i sort of went back and and using an emulator i i would i sort of I, I finished it. I beat it. The, the, the entire Cadillacs and dinosaurs to see sort of all the all the all the later la- levels which I had never seen as a kid. What I found with that, I, I did a very similar thing, and I, I always was quite disappointed that kind of the later on you get in the game, the kind of worse the levels get. I think Final yeah. Fight is maybe the only exception where there's like a tiny bit of variety, um, but generally, yeah, they just all of the good stuff was in the first couple of levels usually, which you yeah, know, you totally see why that was. Yeah. And also, I mean, maybe there's a the fact that, you know, you, you those early levels you saw as a kid and then you, you sort of saw the, the later levels as an adult. And then you so you can't be impressed in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So was, yeah. was it quite um, prevalent? It was it, it was still Yugoslavia then, right? No, no, no. So that was this was. Uh, this is maybe 1993, so uh, oh, early that's, 90s, right, okay. actually, yeah, du- during the during the war, yeah. And were you impacted by that in any in any way? Uh, yes, family? and yeah, yeah, yes and no. So uh, uh, the war lasted between 1991 and 1995, but uh, it took place. The actual fighting uh, took place in in the neighboring Bosnia and Croatia, so Belgrade wasn't sort of affected by that. But we had sort of hyperinflation and international sanctions and sort of the the crime rate sort of went through the roof and stuff like that so uh basically people didn't have any money which which does affect the sort of the next bit of the story in a way you'll see um so yeah that's one thing that happened around that time uh sort of these arcades but that would usually be just during holidays so i i wouldn't get to see any of the arcades uh, in belgrade um during the year even okay. though obviously we must have had them somewhere like um uh in, in sort of uh, well in our equivalent of, of theme parks and stuff like yeah. that so another thing that happened was um so there was this happened only once or twice but uh me and my mum visited one of her friends and they had a pc and their daughter was around the same age as i was and i think that pc this is again around 1993 uh, that pc i remember was a 286 and uh the only game sort of they showed me sort of her parents and this um, this girl was, uh, was Prince of Persia, so that's probably well. That's definitely the first PC game um, I ever saw. And sort of, she she showed me the sort of the, the commands and uh, what to do, and we 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 played for a bit. Um, so that's that's that uh, that also happened around that time when I was seven. Yeah. And then the third thing that happened around the same time, uh, this sort of handheld Tetris thing became very popular for a very short while in Serbia. Uh, again, I Googled it and it appears to be 
called Brick Game. Okay, and this is just like a kind of Game & Watch kind of LCD-style version. Yeah, so uh, some versions only had Tetris, and other versions had like Snake and maybe something similar. Um, so yeah, for, for a short while, like every other kid in Serbia had those. But of course, because it's only Tetris, you, you sort of get bored with it quite um, uh, quickly. Especially so, that kind of like LCD version of it and stuff. There's less exactly. room for... Yeah. But it still counts as a, it still counts as a, as a video game. Oh, of course, yeah, and then, of course. Yeah, and uh, another thing that happened around the same time is uh, occasionally, again, I would visit my uncle's workplace. Uh, I also visited my mum's workplace, but they didn't have at that time. They didn't have proper computers like PCs. Uh, at that time, they still had those sort of um, because she was a translator. Uh, a local news agency, uh, they still had sort of those uh, terminals and you only uh, had a keyboard and, and a sort of a green screen with, yeah. you know, with green letters. Yeah, and you, uh, Although I did like typing on a keyboard, that was my sort of... Uh, that was perfectly fine for me back then. Not well, anything, anything you can do that just... affects the screen is exciting. Exactly, you know? exactly. That's my first experience with a proper keyboard. Uh, yeah, but my uncle's workplace did have uh, PCs. And uh, one game that I think was installed that on each of these PCs, which I loved playing, but again, I was very bad at it, was uh, this platformer called Prehistoric 2. Um, I don't know if you remember it. I don't chance. remember that at all, no. Yeah, you're just a little caveman, and it's, it's just a run-of-the-mill, I think, platformer from, like, 1993. Um, again, I, I was, at that time, I would only maybe reach the end of the first level and then just repeat the process because because I was I would lose uh, both um, you know, the lives that you had or something like that. Yeah, so that's, that's it when it comes to that period. But I wasn't, I remember, I wasn't really hooked by games at that point. Uh, Just that would kind take of a novelty. One, yeah, that would take another one or two years to, so it's just, um, one or two years. So the next thing that I remember happening was um, uh, my, so, so, so my best friend in primary school. So, so um, yeah, I should, I should, I should say this, this is going to be relevant. Uh, I live in the part of Belgrade called New Belgrade, which was sort of built in the 60s and 70s and so on, okay. which has this sort of brutalist architecture. And uh, uh, it's divided into these blocks, and each block is like 300 meters on each side. And so um, usually you go to – you have when it comes to school, you start school when you're seven, and um, – Primary school is eight years, and then secondary school is four years. So uh, most kids just go to their nearest primary school, which is, uh, when it comes to New Belgrade, it's typically within your block, right? So my best friend uh, uh, during primary school for those, let's say, eight years at least, uh, was this guy who, let's, we'll call him Kid because that was his usual handle, uh, when playing video games, because that's like one part of his name in reverse, I think. And then, okay. uh, in, in those games where you can, where you only have three, three characters. Yeah, so it's his high score name, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So that yeah, he could just put in kid. Anyway, so uh, this guy, uh, he got a Game Boy when we were uh, maybe eight, just turning eight. 
but for some reason um for some reason he only i think ever got like two or three cartridges so he got bored with it pretty quickly and then at one point i asked him if i could sort of borrow it for a while and then i did <laughs> and then i got bored bored with it uh, so yeah uh, but again that only happened a couple of times so i couldn't get sort of properly hooked and uh, i couldn't play it whenever i wanted uh, because of that so that my sort of gaming sort of gaming life proper so to speak uh starts a bit later uh well actually around the same time when i was eight or nine but not before so this is what happened um because we had those sort of international sanctions and and uh hyperinflation and so on so on and people didn't have money what people started doing is uh, they would open like a small business if you had any sort of money to, to invest in a small business. Okay. What people would do, they would open these, we call them Sega clubs, okay? And uh, where I lived, there were three for a while, three different sort of Sega clubs. So, so people would basically rent uh, or hijack a, 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 a space, any kind of space where you could fit in a couple of TVs and some stools and and for some reason uh the consoles were always um sega mega drives uh, or genesis uh as is, you know uh, yeah. uh, it, it was never for some reason it was never ever snes now i'm guessing that's because maybe um you couldn't get snes back then or it was more expensive or the games were uh, more difficult to get a hold of uh, i'm not sure because like i said because we had international sanctions i'm not sure how these all these mega drives uh, actually managed to get uh, to, to Serbia yes. uh, th through which sort of smuggling illegal channels, but they were ubiquitous. So, so if you could um, afford a Genesis, you would get a Genesis, but the vast majority of kids did not have it. So what we would do is uh, we would pay by the hour in these um, Sega clubs, as we call them. So yeah, e each Sega club would have like uh, three or four or sometimes two consoles, um and just like in TVs. the back of someone's house or like no 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 anywhere. so uh the ones that were close to my place one of them was in a shop which sold a small shop which sold like uh, candy and uh, booze and and stuff like that okay uh, just like a, yeah uh, but the other two were uh in these sort of residential buildings like these tower blocks you usually have some empty space on the ground level or in the basement which is just which just sits there it could be sometimes a garage or basically like a janitor's closet or something yeah and then yeah and then people would probably probably ask for permission from other tenants to use that space so uh the one the one that's sort of the most important for me uh that was the most important for me was in a basement in a very sort of cramped space um and that's the first one i i i went to with this with this best friend of mine at the time this is fascinating and like who who would who would run these like who would own these just anyone like is this just like oh here's a cool idea that people absolutely. can try to make so, some money absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so people from the neighborhood so uh that the, the that one that i was just telling you about uh, was in in this basement and it was run by by a couple who um they still live there so they the, the couple lived with her mother 
uh, on the first floor and they opened the Sega Club in the basement. So they would just run down the sort of two flights of stairs uh, and be there in the morning. And the couple, I mean, I still see them in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> they, I, they must have been, at the time, if we were eight and nine and 10 and 11, they must have been like 27. So they were a pretty young couple. Yeah. Um, and the way I found out about it is, uh, because back then, sort of, my family was sort of very not interested in technology or anything new. Yeah. Uh, but this best friend of mine, kid, uh, his family had a VCR, and I mean, mean, most probably families in Belgrade had a VCR at, that, at the time. So this this Sega Club in this basement, before it became a Sega Club, uh, it was just a sort of a, a video rental place. Okay. So this. This crammed space in the uh, in this basement was just uh, lined with the walls were lined with VHS tapes, and then at one point they obviously heard about this sort of new craze and, and you know, um, gaming consoles, and they instead of just uh, they they continued being a, a VHS uh, rental place, but they just installed uh, two TVs with two Mega Drives, um, and and for some reason the the, the place was called Tortuga. And there was a graffiti of a turtle at one point uh, <laughs> they had it made. Yeah. So, yeah, you would pay by the hour and it was pretty affordable. So basically all my pocket money at that period uh, and that, 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 the same was true for, for many kids from the neighborhood. The the, uh, the entirety of our pocket money would go to uh, to these Sega clubs. And the best thing was. Uh, many of them, what they would allow you to do is they would be, uh, they wouldn't work on Sundays. So what you could do is you could rent a a console, uh, on Saturday afternoon and you would have to return it by Monday, uh, 12 o'clock. So that means you would basically have entire Sunday, uh, the second half of Saturday and the first half of Monday, just, uh, uh, that's you the Titans. You've got your own play. console then at home. Exactly. And then you were allowed to take, I think, two cartridges and something like that. And uh, that, again, was pretty affordable uh, because, like I said, they, they didn't have any use for it uh, on Sunday. Because I feel like two out. isn't enough, though. Like I feel like there'd be loads of kids. So surely you'd need more consoles than that. Yeah, I think you could, like, they would charge you extra if you wanted uh, a third one or something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, and I remember being sort of um, worried that my TV wasn't going to be able to sort of um, handle it because you know I didn't know anything about TVs and consoles. But all I knew was that our TV was sort of slightly older and we didn't have a remote. It was a color TV, but we didn't have a remote. And then, but uh, it did work just like with any other TVs. So uh, what we would do is one of one of us would uh, would rent it and then the other like the other guys would come over and and, and play um and this was like a group of well it was me and kid and this other guy it was usually three of us yeah. so two, two two guys would come over and the games that we played on uh, in these sega clubs and when we would rent it um my favorite games were golden axe 3 uh, then Street Racer, which is uh, I've never played uh, Mario Kart, but I did play Street Racer, which is a sort of a Genesis or Mega Drive ripoff of uh, a kind of. It was of, pretty uh, good, as far as I can remember, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't know because that was the only sort of game. You've of never that played type. Mario Kart, even now. You've still not played Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, never. Oh never. man, <laughs> I know. What a treat! Uh, uh, then Rock and Roll Racing, 
which was probably the first game I played on an emulator sort of years later. Uh, it was the first game I wanted to get back to because uh, I think that was the game where I first heard um, those those songs. I don't know, don't know if you remember. Uh, yeah, I, it's an amazing game. It's a, it's a Blizzard game as well, interestingly. Yeah, Blizzard, Blizzard and Interplay, I think, uh, made by Blizzard, but sort of published by uh, Interplay. And there was a lot and of kind so- of chiptune kind of rock and roll remixes, like Highway to Hell and things like that. Yeah, it wasn't Highway to Hell. It was. Let me see if I can remember. It was those Paranoid by Black Sabbath. There was Highway Star by Deep, Pil- uh, Deep Purple. There was uh, Bad to the Bone by. I'm that was sh- the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure who. And then the the the, the tune that I liked the most, and then I for years I sort of uh, I, I sort of couldn't find out what the name was. Uh, it was a Radar Love by uh, Golden Earring, I think, which is this Dutch one-hit wonder band, which only had that one song, Radar Love, uh, which yeah, which appears, which later appeared, which uh, sort of uh, once I stopped sort of playing um, rock and roll ra- racing in these Sega clubs, the first time I heard Radar Love, uh, sort of the next time I heard it was on this Simpsons episode when I think. Uh, in which Bart and and Milhouse and Nelson sort of run away and sort of have a like a like a road trip, and then this they turn on the radio and then Radar Love plays. <laughs> oh, yeah, which was a great moment for me because you know I wasn't expecting it and I was like, yeah, that's that song that I sort of adored <laughs> years amazing. earlier. Uh, then what else? We 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 played Streets of Rage and uh, WrestleMania. And then one game which was, uh, when it comes to platformers, which I didn't like too much. I mean, ideally, I would play, always play with a friend, one of these sort of side-scrolling yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, beat-em-ups. But uh, if you had to play on your on your own, you would typically play a platformer like Boogerman or Aladdin or Lion King and so on. <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm curious about this, like, but because... Like this all seems like kind of like a semi underground thing. Like, would you, would you have been aware, kind of in the culture of like a broader video game world? Like, would you have known about Nintendo yeah. and Super Mario? Like, and where would you have got that information? Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, when it comes to Nintendo and Super Mario, um, we had. I think I remember having two sort of shops, places where you uh, could buy. Uh, consoles. Uh, I never actually went there um, in downtown Belgrade because I knew I sort of couldn't afford them. But you would see these commercial, these ads. You can still see the Game Boy ad on on YouTube, a uh, sort of Serbian Game Boy ad, and it's actually it's I think average even by sort of Western standards for that time. Uh, so in these in all sorts of places, you would see ads. So I did know about the name Nintendo because obviously they made Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, for some reason, like I said, in none of these Sega clubs would you see uh, a, a SNES. And sort of the only time I ever played SNES, uh, would you believe it, was there was this one time I went to this small town in western Serbia where, where my uncle is from, uh, again, um, in, in, during summer. Uh, and then uh, I sort of asked around to, to see if they had Sega clubs. And of course they did. And I sort of um, I went to all three of their <laughs> Sega clubs, and one of them had a, one SNES. It was like two Mega Drives and one SNES, and that was the only time I ever ever saw SNES live and played SNES. 
And I think I actually played, uh, the game I played on that SNES was, I think, Killer Instinct. If I, I thought, oh, that's if disappointing. I, of all the games you could have played. I know, I know, I know. It wasn't. Although I think I think you, you did have Mario um, in a Mega Drive version, I think. No, Sounds- never. Surely not. But uh, I think it was the sort of the, the the older Mario, which looked crappy, like the NES Mario, not the not the proper. Oh. I, I, it may have been like some sort of a pirated. Or... Yeah, some sort of hack. I can't imagine that yeah. would ever be allowed. Yeah, it was probably yeah, it was probably a hack. But the first time I played a Mario game, not counting that Game Boy Mario, was on a Mega Drive. Uh, that, like like you said, probably a hack. That's fascinating. So, do you remember what sort of game that that would have been? Which one? This game that has Mario in it. Or would it literally just be like the Super Mario World, but kind of a hacked version of it on a Genesis? Yeah, yeah, that. Just a Super Mario World, just a hacked version. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's which amazing. obviously, obviously, I mean, me being used to sort of Mega Drive era platformers, that wasn't sort of too appealing to play this 80s uh, uh, platformer, even though it was technically mario uh so at the, in those sort of uh, at that point like when i was eight and nine i uh, not counting the games that were available in the sega clubs and not counting these ads um i wasn't aware of sort of, of, of gaming culture or, or any um aspect of it that would come uh, like a year later which is sort of the next thing uh, i was going to tell you about um which is oh by the way there's another another shocker uh, so these ads for for these sort of for, for Game Boy I think that they were for Game Boy okay uh, uh, the ads and magazines and stuff like that uh, they would usually show Mario as sort of the most important character for, yeah. for uh, Nintendo and they showed Link and because back then I was sort of attracted to the sort of fantasy medieval stuff with sort of swords and stuff like that yeah. Uh, uh, Link was, of course, displayed with you know a sword and a shield, and I wondered what game that was. You know that had this sort of character in this sort of medieval uh, garb with a sword and a shield, and uh, I, I wasn't quite sure because uh, um, I'm not sure if it said Zelda next to it and so on. Okay. But uh, the, the the long and the short of it is, to this day, I've never ever played a Zelda game. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I've only seen it on like on YouTube. Uh, if I wanted to check something out, like what like what Ocarina of Time looked like, just to I, sort of I, educate myself. Even now, though, like I mean, I'm 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 assuming that you could just do that now. You could yeah, yeah, find uh, a yeah. way to play I them mean, all. Yeah, sure, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, I've I've never got round to it. That's fascinating because I do wonder. Because I mean, have you played stuff like um, like Dark Siders? Is it Darksiders uh, or Darksuckers? The the kind of Mike Mignola, you play as war and you play as death. And I think that's Darksiders. Yeah, because that's no. very very Zelda. Okay. In terms of the, the certainly the first one anyway, that's amazing. Um, yeah, but I, anyway, I, I mean, uh, I I think Serbia uh, on the whole, uh, even in the nineties and but even now is pretty much a sort of a PC country. Yeah. which I didn't know, which I didn't know as a kid, you know, uh, frequenting these Sega clubs. But now I do sort of. Uh, now I'm aware of that, like compared to, 
the United States, for example, or certainly Japan, uh, we are a very sort of PC oriented uh, country when it comes to gaming. So um, the, the first time I became aware of the sort of broader gaming culture and stuff like that was this is a one very sort of key event for me was in this was in the very late uh, 1995. So this is uh, November 1995. What happened was we had some relatives coming over and this was sort of my grandmother's cousin from Bosnia who had sort of basically a uh, refugee uh, who had come come to Belgrade, uh, I think probably um, at some some point uh, in the mid-90s as a refugee. And it, this was the first time sort of he was coming over to sort of retell his story of how he uh, his family escaped and so on. And so I ha we had the, all these sort of adults uh, around and they were sort of uh, listening, to, listening to this story. But the thing I was interested in, uh, my uncle, again, was, uh, was, was there and he had a magazine which he had bought. And what I would do, I sort of picked up this magazine and the entire evening I would just leave through it and I was amazed. And at the end of the evening, I, I sort of asked him if I could uh, keep it for a few days longer. And ever since then, I've been buying this magazine. So this magazine is the name of the magazine. It's, it's a monthly magazine. Um, in Serbian, it's Svet Computera, which means the world of computers. And it started coming out in, I think, 1984. And it has been coming out since then. Um, and it's just a regular, you know, regular PC uh, magazine. And sort of the first half of the magazine is hardware and, um, you know, program and reviews of different sort of programs and stuff like that and ads. And yeah. then the second second half or, or, the, or the, the, the final third of the magazine is just games. So reviews and previews and stuff like that. Of course, now, I mean, there used to be a sort of, they used to ignore consoles, I think, but then at some point they just realized um, there's no use, and they started doing console reviews as well. Um, I'm I'm just curious, like how how does that work with uh, you saying it started in the kind of um, in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm, so yeah. would it have been like a magazine for the whole of Yugoslavia, or was it much yeah. kind of closer? Like, and then once it kind of split up, did it continue kind of just doing copies for all the countries or uh i think uh during the war they probably didn't do copies for all the republic you know countries but uh once the sort of uh the sort of uh, the truce was um, once the war stopped i think they continued uh, continued sort of shipping it to to other republics yeah to, to other like, sort of new I, mm -hmm. I i don't mean to to kind of dwell on this but i'm just it, it's uh, nobody else that i've spoken to on the show has had an experience like this like where your country kind of shifts around you as you're growing up like did you have any uh, awareness of that like did it impact you at all because it seems like very much uh this is a thing that was happening far away almost yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, uh basically no because i was so when the war started i was i would have been five and when it ended i would have been nine so it wasn't too i was aware of it but it, I wouldn't say it's we as kids thought about it too yeah. much, especially like I said, because we the fighting 
wasn't in Belgrade uh, yeah. per se. So we would we would you know we would see these refugees come in, and we would suddenly meet people who had different accents and so on. But uh, we we sort of we weren't bothered as such. Um, it it was a slightly different situation uh, a couple of years later in 1999, where we we again had sort of bad stuff. Yes. Uh, happened to Serbia that was but we'll come to that in a, in a couple of moments uh, okay that was, okay yeah so uh, where was I oh yeah the magazine yeah so uh, I still have this 19 uh, November 1995 uh, issue I was wondering uh, how you were so specific with the date but clearly that's that's why yeah uh, fortunately and this is I this is this has been a sort of uh, I'm very comforted by the knowledge that this has happened uh, obviously, a huge number of people were fans of this magazine in the 80s and, and 90s. And so uh, some people got around and apparently uh, they scanned all the issues from 1994, I think, to 1997. So you can, you can, I mean, everybody can access it online. So they scanned each page and you can just read it. That's amazing. And so, yes, even, what, even if I didn't have all these issues, I, I could still sort of go back and, and, and read those, read those uh, early issues. And why do you think it, it resonated with you so much? Was it something about the way it was written or just purely because his uh, late, actual adults talking about video games? Yeah, yeah. Later on, I, I, it was definitely the way it was written and uh, especially some bits. But at, at first, when I was so, oh, that was November 1995, I would have been nine right uh it was just you know up to that point i just had these you know sega clubs and these uh, mega drive games but now uh, i i sort of i all at once i sort of found out that sort of pcs existed and they mentioned these things called amigas and all these games i'd never heard of also existed and, and and stuff like that i remember so for example you i mean this is probably similar to to what you had in sort of british magazines and so on you would have like a, a couple of pages devoted to cheat codes yeah. and one page devoted to and this was i would actually just this was one of my favorite bits i would just read this even though i knew i would probably never see any of these games i would just read uh, adventure games uh, sorry uh, adventure game walkthroughs there was this guy oh, who was sort of a, yeah there was this guy who was like an adventure game expert and then he would just in each issue he would have one page for just for adventure game point and click adventure game walkthroughs that's basically sure. like literary let's plays exactly exactly and I'm, uh, still to this day i'm not sure if he he would get a like an English language walkthrough. I mean, because that was before internet, I, I, I doubt it. Or if he would actually play it uh, for himself and then find find out all the solutions and then write up like. Well, let's right. hope it's that version because otherwise it's quite disappointing that he just translated it and printed uh, it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I liked it so much that I sort of asked my uncle politely that if he would like each month. He would buy his his copy and then he would read it. And then I asked him if he could just um, uh, give it to me once he was done reading it. Because I knew he wasn't, I realized he wasn't too much into it. He was just like, uh, he wanted to sort of uh, keep abreast of the sort of main things. But yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't a gamer. He wasn't, and so on. Um, so yeah, so so for a while, for those when it comes to those couple of years, what happened was I would play the games in these Sega clubs, but I would read about these other games 
usually they were other games, uh, completely different games in the world of computers. Uh, there was some overlap, like when it comes to Mortal Kombat 3, which was also you know, a PC game, but also on Mega Drive and Mortal Kombat 2. Um, also what happened at that time, I remember uh, some of the guys, I think, who, who worked for this magazine, uh, they published a couple of books which were... Um, this was like in 96, 97 and so on. Uh, they, they published books which about video games and the first couple of books were about Mortal Kombat and they would just list all the moves for all the characters and all the fatalities and stuff like that, which again, before internet, uh, internet was the only way you could basically uh, find out about Absolutely. all of these moves. I still yeah. remember taking a copy of Meme Machines to an arcade with me to play Street Fighter because it had all the moves listed. I must yeah, have been like yeah. six or seven. Like, yeah, and then at some image. point, yeah, at some point, games then started. I think Tekken started just Tekken just included all the moves. Yeah, like you go to two options, and yeah, um, and then uh, interestingly, uh, but this was a bit later on. Uh, the, the the same sort of little publishing house published a, a couple of other book, sort of small books, uh, which uh, those later books weren't weren't about Mortal Kombat. They were about uh, real time strategies. And it was, I mean, now to think about those, it's really weird because they were like, they were like strategy guides, but, uh, guides, but made by, by these local uh, games journalists. And they would include tables, uh, which included like prices for each building and unit. Uh, and they would also include like descriptions of each mission if you had a campaign. And then uh, th th this was another thing I loved reading because I didn't have access to, 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 to a PC. I would just read about uh, the campaign and these strategy games. Uh, yeah, so basically, like I said, I, I, I would be playing these Sega games and I, I would sort of daydream about one day being able to play these all these PC games. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, and then the next big change um, happened, which uh, was, I'm not sure when, but I assume it was maybe in early 97, uh, and that was the, this main Sega club, Tortuga. Actually, how, how, how do you pronounce that name in English? Is it, do you have, is it Tortuga? Yeah, Tortuga, yeah. Uh, the guy who, 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 who ran it was sort of, um, was obviously sort of in on the, on the latest stuff that you could get. And he replaced one of the Mega Drives with a PlayStation. Oh, and that exciting. Was like, that was like... The first thing that happened was we absolutely stopped going to the other two Sega clubs. We just <laughs> were not interested. And we actually also, I think, we stopped renting you know, the, the, the Mega Drive over the weekend because the only thing we wanted to do was play the PlayStation. And, I and remember, were you aware uh, of it, though, beforehand? Like, did you know um, that that was a thing or did you just come in one day and discover this I think new there box? Was, yeah, I think there was a review in in the world of computers, like the review of PlayStation as a console. Yeah. But if for some reason, it was um, it came in a bit late. So I think I first saw it in the club, and that then must have been I read. Unbelievable. It was, and, and you, you, I mean, I mean, just just switching from cartridges to to. To, to actual CDs, which was, which was so exciting at the time. Uh, he still, the guy still kept one Mega Drive for a while, but only like sort of small kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, when you're when you're 11, you think of an eight-year-old as a sort of irrelevant Absolutely, yeah. sort of 
yeah, the only person, people who would play Mega Drive at that point were these kids. So uh, I think at first he he had like 20 games, and then I assume like every couple of months he would somehow. I mean, now thinking about it, I'm not sure if these games were legal or. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how easy it was to to pirate games for um, for PlayStation One. Uh, but every couple of months, he would get another like a dozen titles, and so this list on the, that was paste, uh, sort of uh, posted on the wall kept kept growing. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, just to interrupt for a second, like is that? Yeah. Um, why would the PlayStation not necessarily have come out, or why would it have come out later? Like, I, I'm just wondering if, like, with the end of kind of the sanctions oh, yeah, yeah. and the truce would there have been like a flood of video games into the country uh, that's a good question um i'm not sure to tell you the truth what i do remember is that even once the uh, after the war ended i do remember if I, if I look at these if i look at this magazine world of computers now uh if i look at say 1996 or 1997 which is after the, the, the sort of the truce was signed uh i can still see this lag so uh, there was approximately a two-month or a three-month lag between the game coming out in Europe or America and the game being reviewed in this magazine. So I assume that... Um, but when it comes to the, the, the PlayStation and this uh, sort of club, I assume the reason was... Um, I assume these games were pirated and yeah. it just took some some time for, for, for sort of the people who were into it to sort of crack the games and distribute it physically because you didn't have, you know, torrents and stuff like that. That's, I, I, I'm still just so excited for your younger self to walk into this club <laughs> yeah. one day and discover a PlayStation. I mean, that must have been just so mind-blowing. So yeah, what, what, again, what games did you love on that, though? Yeah, again, this 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 will probably surprise you because now when you think, I mean, uh, so 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 tell me when you think of the first PlayStation, what are the sort of top three games that you remember playing at the time with, which everybody was playing? I mean, me personally, I remember Parappa the Rapper more than anything because it completely blew my mind. But if I was going to name three names off the top of my head, it'd be like Ridge Racer, Wipeout, and Tekken probably. Okay, okay. So so uh, the first time again. This may surprise you. The first time I ever heard about Parappa the Rapper was listening to your podcast. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Wipeout, I knew Wipeout from the world of computers. There was a review. It was a, like a, it was a very well-reviewed game. And sort of the, they, they told us this was a hit for PlayStation. But I don't think I ever played it on, on, in, in this club. And then, but yeah, Tekken was definitely one of the most popular games. So that at least we overlap a bit. So the games we played, the games we played, uh, I'm not sure how, because I remember... Even though at, at the end of this sort of PlayStation era for us in this uh, at this club, I think uh, the guy who ran it must have had at least a hundred games. Uh, for some reason, everybody was playing the same games, like the same maybe five games. So even if you came in and you didn't want to play, you just wanted to watch other people play, you would always see the same games over and over again. And uh, even though you, you you could see all these uh, sort of other names on this list, for some reason nobody was just nobody was just going to explore the list and uh, tell other people about these uh, these other games. Anyway, so the games we played again, this was me and this best friend at the time, kid. Uh, the games we would usually play were either Twisted Metal Two, so that's probably the single game that we play the most. Uh, we also liked Tekken Two, 
And then, which I, I think one of your previous guests uh, sort of uh, mentioned this, uh, we played a real-time strategy, PC real-time strategies on the PlayStation. And we played specifically two of them. Uh, we played Warcraft 2 uh, and we played Red Alert after that. And that was that. that's the time when I f- sort of officially fell in love with the real-time strategy uh, uh, genre uh, on the PlayStation. That's so fascinating. In, I didn't even realize yeah, because, they were even out on the PlayStation. Exactly. I mean, no one talks about the PlayStation PlayStation versions of Warcraft 2 and, and, and Red Alert. And just, I mean, thinking now on how fiddly it must have been to not use the mouse to sort of uh, select all the units, but using the sort of the, the, the controller just sort of uh, it's, it's, it's insane it's interesting yeah yeah so so the sort of the two the two of us uh, kid and me we would always play either warcraft 2 or twisted metal 2 or uh, red alert and then at one point uh final fantasy tactics appeared and this is the first time uh, either of us ever heard of the final fantasy series and that was the first time we ever played a game that was sort of in this genre and and we were both attracted to it but because uh, for some reason we would always just play the first level and we wouldn't sort of we would never continue even though you could you you, we we did have access sorry we did have access to sort of a memory card we could save uh but Mm -hmm. for some reason we would never just continue from that saved position when it comes to final fantasy tactics and then again years later i was sort of uh, i installed a emulator and and just played uh through the whole thing and i just loved it oh it's such good games are my favorites of the final fantasies i think yeah there's again because serbia is a very pc-centered country that's more or less the only final fantasy i properly played uh um, yeah it's interesting Uh, as well as like all of the games that you're talking about they are all um they're all kind of multiplayer centric. They they all at least had the option for multiplayer or cooperative yeah. players. Like I wonder if that was by yeah. design. If the guy had gotten these games, whoever was running the Sega Club, like because of I that, think, if there was any curation in it. No, I assume because, like I said, because he had a much uh, sort of the number of games would sort of outstripped the games that were actually played. I assume what happened was uh, just um, you know because uh, many people would just come in groups of two. Uh, they would just play these uh, multiplayer games together, like, like Twisted Metal 2 and so on. And then uh, what also I remember from that era, from the sort of PlayStation uh, era in, in that club, um, sort of uh, the the owner uh, and some older boys, uh, they would play FIFA 98, which had uh, a blur uh, in the intro, the song, uh, is it Song 2? Song 2, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so um, I wasn't interested in, in football at the time uh, or in any sports, really. But I remember them playing um, and then organizing these sort of little tournaments. And so what would happen is like we kid, you know, so us kids, we would leave at some point, maybe eight o'clock. Uh, and then these older boys and the owner would, uh, would would stay and they would have these FIFA 98 tournaments. And I remember like um, I think they were probably... I think they would bet like uh, the guy who won 
wouldn't have to pay anything, something like that. And then the next morning, because uh, me and my best friend were sort of morning people and we would come and uh, sometimes we would wake up the owner. Uh, <laughs> and then we would listen to, to the stories of the sort of previous night's match uh, in FIFA 98. Uh, I mean, it's quite, a, it seems like a really nice little community. Like it's a real nice way to kind of grow up yeah, playing it games. Was. Like it, it seems really cool. Uh, yeah, I have very sort of fond memories of that. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention about this sort of Sega uh, era was uh, uh, there was this TV show, which again now sounds uh, uh, sort of strange to me. There was a TV show um, called sort of Sega Kids, basically. And uh, what it was was this sort of... Uh, there was a host, which was this, like, sort of, uh, I, I suppose, sort of children's actor. Yeah. And he would gather some sort of, he would gather a group of kids, and it was a, like a, it would usually be like 1v1 uh, in, in a game like WrestleMania, or if it was a platformer, then uh, they would see who could, who could sort of um, maybe um, get the highest uh, highest score. Yeah. And so the, the other kids would just watch the two kids play. And that was it. And sort of, I, I just, I just loved watching that on, on on the TV. It was, it was, it would only, I think, it would only last up for like I don't know, fifteen minutes. But, but yeah. So it was, I'm I amazed think... at how much like Sega had a lockdown on the country. Clearly, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and these it's... sort of Sega clubs is that is that kind of countrywide, or is that like just a specific Belgrade thing, or? Well, because I mentioned that, you know, uh, that sort of uh, small Western town, uh, sort of, sorry, a small town in Western Serbia, which also had oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sega clubs, uh, that's the only way, sort of, that's the only reason I know it wasn't sort of Belgrade specific. So, and they so were all I called guess... Sega clubs, though. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. I yeah. wonder if Sega knew about that. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, and then, then of the th- uh, of the sort of three Sega clubs, um, sort of in my neighbourhood, uh, one of them I remember. Uh, one of them tried, and this was, I think, I think this was just before the other one, just before Tatuga introduced um, um, the PlayStation. They tried introducing uh, the PC, and so you had you still had the same two Mega Drives, and then next to them was a PC. It was probably uh, I'm not sure when, probably 1996. Uh, but for some reason, they they overcharged PC, so it was it would de- it would definitely did not pay. To, to, to play on the PC and I only I think did it once and I think I, I remember they had uh, three games well, that I remember now that was Arcade America Battle Beast and Doom and that was the very first time I had ever seen uh, Doom and I loved it but again it was for some reason they, they just the price was ridiculous and no one basically played that PC sadly uh, but they were sort of ahead of their time because uh, sort of a couple of years, like a few years later, uh, sort of uh, every every joint had a had a PC, which which sort of uh, we'll come to in a moment. So th- so so the next big step was, and this is sort of again a huge change for us as kids. Um, yeah, I mean, going chronologically, as you just remember uh, uh, what happened in uh, sort of uh, in early 1999 while we, while we were still playing the PlayStation in, in Tortuga was, uh, again, it's just looking back, it's a sort of just a weird coincidence, but it, it meant a lot to me. Um, 
I have a cousin who's well. This is my sort of my uncle's daughter, and he she's 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 not into games. She's never been into games, but she's seven years older than me. And then one day she just came came to our place, and she was like, "I have this friend from my sort of uh, sort of high school class, and he's into video games." And then he somehow got this issue of PC Zone. And then she just gave it to me and she was like, you can read it and then you, could you just return it to me and I'll return it to him. And for some reason, she forgot about this. And I still have this January, <laughs> January 1997 PC Zone issue. And this was a huge thing for me for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, this was the first time to sort of to see like a foreign games magazine, which uh, and this was like for me. Uh, because because this sort of world of computers magazine back in 1997 was pretty so the number of pages uh, wasn't that big and uh, back then was sort of we, we they couldn't afford uh, the the quality of paper and and uh, for for a while it had to be black and white uh, and then seeing this sort of 1997 PC zone which looked like a proper book to me with sort of high quality print and everything was in color and so on. That was amazing. And then, of course, uh, the fact that it was in English. And at that point, I was still sort of, I suppose, 10 and a half or 11. Um, 11. Uh, I didn't really know English at that point. So I was primarily interested in looking at the pictures. But also, uh, I tried figuring out some basic uh, words. And there was this, I think, I remember it was an ad for Discworld 2, um, uh, the, the point and click adventure and I tried figuring out what it meant and then sort of years later I, I realized that sort of when I sort of um, when I sort of found out about who Charlie Brooker um, was I realized that he actually had some some uh, pieces in, in this issue that I still have oh amazing yeah, and at, at that time I was sort of obsessed because again I said uh, uh, as I was saying I sort of liked this sort of medieval theme. I was obsessed by this game, um, uh, Lords of the Realm 2, a PC game from from early I think 1997, um, and it had a it didn't have a review of Lords of the Realm, but it had a like a like an ad, uh, and there was a very sort of nice screenshot from that game, and I sort of I was sort of just I would just look at that screenshot and daydream about playing uh, Lords of the Realm 2. Um, That's a, you know, the other interesting thing about the, the, that PC Zone is it was edited by uh, John Davison, who has previously been on the show. He would have been the editor of that magazine that you have. Huh, uh, nice. And he does yeah. Glixel now, he's in charge of. Ah, uh, yeah. Also, for, for example, I remember, I, uh, I remember being confused by the word review because I was sort of, I understood preview because that's like, before you actually get to see a game that's like a pre-view. But then review to me meant like uh, uh, taking an, a second look, like a later look, like uh, like doing a, another uh, sort of um, um, critique of the game, like it a should, second look. It one. should have just been called view. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was confused to see previews and reviews and uh, none of the sort of... <laughs> none of the views. views exactly. <laughs> Uh, and there was another another thing I was confused by back then. Uh, that was um, because it's a British magazine. Uh, in certain pieces, you, you you would see the word bloke, right? And then at the time, uh, one of my favorite TV shows was uh, Men Behaving Badly, and so I was I was aware of the word bloke in sort of 
in British English, but I'd never seen it in writing. So I would see B-L-O-K-E and I would read it as block, <laughs> right? And I was confused by what this, you know, what, why they keep, uh, why they kept mentioning blocks. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, 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 so that happened in, in 1987. Um, yeah, so the next big step for me uh, happened in, well, it was almost at the same, two things happened at the same time, which again changed everything, everything for me. So the first thing was uh, this best friend of mine, kid, his parents were sort of uh, sort of well off compared to my parents or to, to my family. And uh, he actually managed to convince his parents, even though it was you know, uh, the, still the 90s and, and things were difficult for us. He managed to convince his parents to 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 get him a PC finally. And this was, I think, in January of 1998. Some, uh, sorry, uh, December 1998, January 1999, somewhere around New, New Year's. And as soon as he got his PC, we've stopped going to Tortuga uh, or, or any other sort of Sega club forever. So that, that was it. As soon as he got the PC, we forever switched to the PC sort of together and we never looked back. And That's basically, kind of a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree, but again, sort of, sort of, you know, Serbia was a very sort of PC-oriented country, and we didn't really, we didn't really know any people who owned a uh, owned a console. We 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 didn't go to any uh, sort of friends' places and to 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 play any consoles and so on. So once we stopped stopped going to the, the C, uh, Sega clubs who, or PlayStation clubs, if you want, if you want, uh, we basically stopped playing consoles um so yeah this was so in january 1999 and um so it, it, i stopped basically going to the sega clubs and I, I would just go to his place and fortunately we we sort of lived actually in the same building but in a sort of different part of the same building so um so yeah uh, the first games that we played at his place were I remember so this was just sort of early 1999. We played Half-Life. Uh, we played uh, a bit later on. We played StarCraft, and especially again because we were sort of we were interested in games that you could play in multiplayer, yeah. but like on the same computer. We played a lot of uh, we we played a bit of a bit of um, Heroes of the Might and Magic 2, and then in the spring of 1999, uh, Heroes of the Might and Magic. Three came out, and that was the single game probably that we played the most in 1999. Uh, and that was, uh, I would sort of later realize, that was a hugely popular game in Serbia. Heroes of the Might and Magic, 19, uh, sorry, uh, 3, which came out in 1999. I don't think I played any of those games. Are they I like think first it was, person kind of? No, 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 no. So Heroes of the Might and Magic, the, the entire series, is um, it's a turn-based strategy. Uh, set in a fantasy world and then you have sort of two main components one is the sort of world map where you have your hero which is like and you move it around collect resources capture mines open sort of chests for golden experience and then you have a and also you can enter a, a town and then you build buildings there and you sort of buy um 
creatures and soldiers. And then you have a second screen, which is like a, a sort of tactical combat screen, which is also turn-based. So uh, sort of the, the, the world map is turn-based because when you end your turn, sort of one day ends. Uh, but the tactical combat screen is also turn-based, but that's you have like um, it's like hex-based um, tactical combat. Uh, but like I said, uh, uh, it's it's a fantasy-based series. So you have uh, so you have like necromancers and uh, sort of uh, elves and uh, stuff like that. So that all the sort of creatures that you actually uh, lead are. Um, um, you know, griffins and stuff like that, dragons, uh, dwarves and stuff like that. Uh, like I said, I think the main reason why it was hugely popular in Serbia is because uh, it was, you could play it in hot seat. So you could play it with your friend on the same, on the same PC. And it would just, you know, you would take turns, basically. So you could play, you could play like uh, two of you or three of you versus uh, two AIs or three AIs and stuff like that. That's, uh, I mean, that sounds to me. I, mean, I was just looking at a screenshot, so it actually looks still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, first, the first four games were made by uh, New World, I think it was called, and published by 3DO. And then it was taken over, like, 5, 6, and 7, and all the, those other sequels were taken, were, were published by a, and developed by a different, a different company. But like I said, uh, 2 and 3 are sort of considered to be the best probably and would this just um, have been like local multiplayer like would there have been any internet by this point no no so at that point we definitely did not uh did not use the internet in any way uh sort of as sort of 12 year olds and 13 year, year olds in serbia uh one thing that we start uh, we tried doing which is again which seems very funny to me at, uh, now looking back is uh so when we didn't play those multiplayer games hot z games when we tried playing a uh, first person shooter like half-life uh, which we actually never finished at my friend's place we 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 later found out whether we actually reached the final level and we stopped there but we didn't know that it was the final level at the time uh what we tried doing at, at first and then we stopped it is uh we what we tried doing is we we, we tried uh, we tried making it uh a sort of a two-player game, a multiplayer game, and w what we would do in Half-Life is we would try having one person uh, sort of deal with the keyboard and movement, and the other person uh, would just <laughs> use the mouse and shoot at the stuff. I mean, that, that, that's we... clearly two kids who've got too much time on their hands, and they're like, right, exactly. how can we make this more interesting? Exactly, but at one point we real we realized it just wasn't efficient, and then we just kept dying. And then uh, he just this you know, kid, my best friend at the time, was would just take over. And then when it came to real time strategies like StarCraft, then he would be like he would mostly be the one who was playing, and I was fine with that at the time. I just really I, I genuinely enjoyed just watching mm -hmm. uh, watching him play. I, I it was okay with that. Also, another game that I loved at the time that we would play, and that I was I was sort of I then years later I would continue playing on my own when I got my first PC was Caesar 3. So I, at that point I realized I really enjoyed watching and playing those sort of city building city building games. Uh, and so that was one big thing that changed in 1999. So he got uh, a PC. And then the other thing that changed uh, is my, again, going back to my uncle, for some reason, he convinced himself that he needed 
a, a laptop for work, even though I'm not sure if he actually did need it. And he got this laptop, which I remember being, I distinctly remember it was an AT&T laptop, which, had, which was a 486. It was a, a DX2 uh, running on 33 megahertz, uh, and it had four megs of RAM. It didn't have a CD uh, You remember drive. an awful lot about this laptop. I know, I know. I have sort of good memories about sort of that portion of my childhood. And it didn't have a sound card. It only had a, like a PC speaker. And for some reason, again, I'm not sure why, uh, I didn't even know he had it. He offered uh, very genuine, sort of very uh, generously to, to lend it to me. He was like, if you want to play on this laptop, I can lend it to you for a couple of months. It was sort of very sort of, um, yeah, and I, 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 I'm not sure exactly, but I think I had it for a couple of months. Then he took it back. He needed it for something, and then he returned it to me for another couple of months. And I think finally, I'm not sure if it broke down or something, and he took it, took it back to repair it, and that was it. But during those sort of several months, um, basically most of 1999, and maybe maybe even a bit of 2000. Uh, that was the first time I had a basically a gaming device in my home. Not counting the sort of not not not, not counting renting a Sega for for a weekend, and that was a huge deal for me, obviously. Um, and then because I didn't have a CD, I knew I couldn't run. And because it was uh, like a four four eighty six with four megs of RAM, I I knew I couldn't run any of the sort of nineteen ninety nine games. But I was more than happy to try and run all the games. I'd been reading about in the world of computers uh, from 1995 and from from sort of those previous years. And then, so the way people would get games in Serbia at that time is basically uh, you had, we would call them CD clubs. Again, we would use the word club. We called them CD clubs at the time, and uh, they would be just basically these pirate places. So these pirate people would sell you uh, it was, of course, affordable, uh, would sell you uh, CDs with, with cracked games. And again, where would and, they be? Would they would that be like street stalls or...? No, no. Uh, yeah, some street stalls, but I only found about, about those uh, a couple of years later. But at the time, in 1999, I only knew about one CD club, which was sort of very close to where I lived. And then uh, the next year, I uh, found out about the, the other one. So the first one was in my block and it was uh, in a flat. And the second one I'll, I'm going to mention uh, um, uh, in a couple of moments was also actually in a flat. And this was sort of apparently run just by regular people who decided to, uh, to, to open a small business just like those Sega clubs were. So uh, I'm not sure how they got uh, these pirated versions in the first place, because again, uh, I'm not sure if they got it via uh, because obviously torrents didn't exist back then in 1990. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyway, they would just they they would sell them and they were pretty affordable. Uh, um, these pirated versions. So, uh, but what was crucial for me at the time was uh, the the sort of the CD club which was closest to my place uh, actually existed from the early um, 90s, and that meant they had all the all those older games that I could run on my uncle's laptop. Uh, and they they still offered the sort of the service of 
sort of uh, selling you pirated games on uh, on floppy disks, which uh, some of the sort of recent uh, CD clubs at the time, uh, which were founded in the sort of late 90s, didn't offer. They only had the recent sort of CD games, uh, pirated CD games. But this club that was closest to where I lived actually had all those classics. So what you would do is they would give you a free copy of their catalogue. You would go home, you would open the catalogue, you would uh, see what they had on offer, you would go back to their place and um, you would give them, typically what you would have to do, you would get a, you would need to get a hold of floppy disks on your own. It would give them the floppy disks and they would sort of copy uh, the files on the floppy disks for you for a sort of very, very reasonable price. And so that was that was one of the sort of my my happiest childhood memories, because now I could finally play on my own at home games such as Civilization. Now, of course, realizing <laughs> uh, it what wasn't was just a Viking's helmet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my favorite games from that sort of laptop era were Civilization. Uh, Transport Tycoon, uh, Lords of the Realm One, so not the not two, uh, which I was sort of reading about in those magazines. So Lords of the Realm One, uh, then Master of Orion One, which came with this manual in English, which was I just I just loved reading about sort of all the different weapons and sort of ship uh, hulls and stuff like that in this sort of strategy guide slash manual. Do you think this uh, had a big impact on the like the fact that you now teach English? Like, do you think all uh, these exposures to games kind of helped with that, especially stuff like RTSs with his big manuals and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the games were in English and the TV shows were in English. But, yeah, the games were definitely sort of one half of that uh, equation uh, when it comes to sort of me being exposed to to culture in English, so to speak. Uh, so Master of Orion 1, uh, then Sid, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates uh, were also uh, something I played. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I sort of, I was finally able to get acquainted with all of these bits of gaming history on my own. And the best thing was, so like I said, this was in 1999. And for a while, of course, we had the sort of the NATO bombing and stuff like that. And we had a frequent power outs at the time and that and was the in best belgrade thing, wasn't it yeah yeah um but the best thing about this was um, um uh, i couldn't go to my friend's place to play uh, heroes of the mighty magic 3 because uh he didn't have any power uh because he had a desktop pc a regular desktop pc but my laptop my uncle's laptop <laughs> could work because it had a battery and so he would come over to my place and watch me play whatever it was, Transport Tycoon or Monkey Island and stuff like that. That's, so that, that was that's a, amazing that, you know, in the midst of kind of your city being bombed, it's like, I'm fine. I've still got, I've got my laptop, so that's okay. I can still play my video games. Exactly. Is, so even something though really optimistic a, about that. Exactly. So even though it was a pretty grim time, uh, uh, sort of objectively, uh, for me personally, uh, like on a very subjective sort of level, that was, a, was an absolutely great time. Great time for me. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Like, did, was it was it like uh, was it scary though? Like, I, I I would imagine things like that would be quite frightening. Or was it just um, kind of rationalised really as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, at first, I think we were we were scared that it was going to be like uh, because we we had seen footage of the sort of nineteen forty one 
uh, sort of Nazi bombing of Belgrade. And then uh, that was like a proper, obviously proper bombing with like everything being just uh, bombed and destroyed and, and people dying everywhere. And then we, we were sort of, at first we were worried as, as kids that it was going to be the same. But then we soon realized that uh, they were just sort of, at least they were saying they were just going to bomb sort of um, these uh, sort of strategic strategic targets uh, and then we realized that they, they, they didn't sort of uh, intend uh, to bomb sort of residential uh, neighborhoods. So basically, uh, um, yeah, so, so, so after we realized that, uh, at least I wasn't properly, properly scared, uh, even though, of course, it was unpleasant to hear the sort of air raid uh, siren every day. Um, it, uh, I, I, I can't say that I was at the time I was 12. I can't say that I was really scared. Yeah, even though I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you and think I, games would help with that though? Like, I'm often curious about this about you know people using games as a kind of a, a, a therapy or something. Do you think having this kind of distraction would, would kind of be helpful for that? You know, you're not dwelling on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, what I also remember is uh, basically every moment that we didn't spend playing these games. Uh, we would just uh, walk around the neighborhood and and talk about games, and there was this. I remember there was this place that sold uh, a Pepsi. Uh, it was very cheap, uh, and then we would just buy a, a sort of a, a, a liter bottle of Pepsi each, and we would just walk around and stroll around and just talk about Heroes of the Might and Magic Three uh, and all these other games. Uh, was for, that for everybody that. though, or was this just you and your your friend? No, like... no, no, yeah, yeah, that was just. That was just uh, sort of the three of us or the four of us uh, at the time. So that 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 was that was 1999. And what what strikes me uh, the most about that whole period is, um, so my friend, like I said, my friend got this PC in in January of 1999, and I got my first PC finally after sort of years of sort of begging and pleading uh, in April of 2001. So now when I look back at it, that's only two years and like four months. But for me, that's a that's an entire era. That's a huge, uh, that's hugely sort of never ending sort of period of time for me back then. And it sort of it often sort of Ill, it, to me, it illustrates how how you remember or experience time. Because oh, I have absolutely. Yeah, because uh, I have a huge number of sort of a large amount of experiences and, and memories from that sort of, and it's only two and a half years because if I look at sort of the last two and a half years of my life, sort of basically nothing important happened to me. <laughs> but back then I would sort of go over to, to this friend of mine's place and um, more or less uh, every single day and, and we would play different games and that was just, it never ended this this period of me going over there, and until I finally got a PC of my own. That's amazing. so. What, yeah. what was the PC of your own? That wasn't the the laptop. That was like a proper desktop PC. Yeah, yeah. Finally, but last, like I said, that 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 came sort of to me. That felt like long overdue. Um. Uh, so one thing I also wanted to mention. So uh, uh, the place where we got. Well, we started getting games very soon 
uh, after this friend of mine got his PC and definitely the only place where I got my games uh, until until we sort of uh, finally got broadband and started using torrents um, uh, was this it was not this this sort of uh, this CD club that was closest to our place the, the, the one where where I got all those uh, older games on, on floppy disks uh, because there was a, a, a different CD club which was uh, like a, a kilometer away which was uh, slightly cheaper and uh, I think they would also probably get games maybe uh, sort of a like, like a week earlier and something like that and what I what I like most about sort of those memories is uh, we call this other CD club the one that was sort of, again pirate CD club that was a, a kilometer away uh, we call it at grandmas and grandpas because the two owners were these two was this married couple who was I assume at the time they would have been in their early 60s but to us there were these two old people yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we realized at one point that the person who was actually sort of getting games and and burning them on these C- CDs was uh, sort of their son and their daughter but the only people that we would see as customers were these was this elderly married couple and and we love the fact that we sort of they were the ones sort of selling and peddling Telling these these <laughs> games, oh yeah, and the, probably the most actually, yeah, the the, the most important fact about uh, the, this CD club that sort of made us go there and not to the other place was that at one point, uh, instead of just burning the CDs, uh, they also offered the service uh, uh, of, of renting games, which the other CD club, uh, which was closer to us, didn't. So you could rent the game, and then some games obviously you could just install, and then you could just keep playing. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and obviously renting the game for one day was much much cheaper than than actually buying the game. Were there any like legitimate, I guess, kind of places to buy games, or was this just you know, no? So at that demand, yeah, at that point, absolutely not. So uh, we had so the big sort of political change in Serbia took place in the October of two thousand when we sort of uh, replaced the sort of. Um, uh, Milosevic with the sort of uh, sort of let's say democratically elected government, um, and then after uh, starting from I think two thousand one, you you were able to get some software legally, but basically uh, at that point no one could afford it except some companies who would now buy. And uh, at that point they started sort of getting Windows and other software legally, but people were even after two thousand one, people were still I think uh, overwhelmingly just just uh, getting pirated games that only started to change a few years later i think um slowly we started getting sort of both shops that sold uh, sort of legal software legal games and then of course a couple of years later of course people got steam here as well yeah and then yeah but uh, um sort of um i think Younger gamers in Serbia still tend to sort of do piracy because they can't afford uh, new games. Then you have gamers who wait for Steam sales because uh, those are affordable even sort of uh, by our standards. But what I noticed is there's one sort of group of games that um, if you have a gamer that pirates all his games in Serbia but uh, only buys one game uh, legally that's typically going to be World of Warcraft because you you can't get the proper experience of World of Warcraft 
if if you pirate it, if you play it on a pirated <clears throat> on a pirate server, which which do exist, I'm told. So so I know several people who who for for sort of for quite a while the only piece of software and certainly the only game they ever paid for was World of Warcraft because they wanted a proper sort of Blizzard Blizzard experience. Uh, and uh, obviously you have uh, I mean something uh, something similar applies to Diablo three because again um, I'm not sure if there is a sort of pirated version of Diablo three because uh, so much of it is server side yeah. and yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rush off, um, Andre. Mm-hmm. But can we reconvene um, next week, possibly? Yeah, I, I don't have sort of too much to tell you. And uh, and we did reconvene. Um, I mean, you don't have to wait another week for it either. Um, let's reconvene <laughs> with Andre right now. I just wanted to to um, clarify something, and, and I remembered one tidbit about one of the games that we mentioned. Um, the, the clarification thing was about um, the NATO bombing. I wasn't, um, I um, didn't want to sort of generalize and, and say how you know kids in general or, or kids in my neighborhood uh, uh, weren't afraid. I, I can, of course, on, only speak about me. So I wasn't uh, uh, the way I remember it. Uh, I wasn't afraid of once course. I sort of. I realized they they weren't going to carpet bombers, but just sort of do these strategic uh, strategic targets. But again, of course, unfortunately, um, many civilians uh, did die and so on. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the closest thing that was hit to my home was was uh, interestingly uh, the, the Chinese embassy, which was hit by mistake. Oh and no this, way! Yeah, this is about one mile. Well, this was about one mile uh, f- from uh, from my place. Uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so uh, that, that was that was one thing, and then the other thing was, um, uh, do you remember the names of characters from from Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? Because you said you liked it as well. I did. Yeah, I don't remember the names of the characters though. So I just remember that. So sort of, you know how you um, you, um, you had uh, Mustafa, and then the girl was Hannah, and then Jack, and then. You had that th- sort of fourth, well, third guy who was this muscly guy in a in a yellow or orange uh, t-shirt. Yeah. And then uh, apparently his name was well, everybody just called him Mess, which was sort of his first name, like M E S S. But then his surname was uh, the way it was spelled. It was Abradovich, well, like O apostrophe Bradovich, like um, uh, it was Irish. But of course. Uh, Obradovich is a very common surname here, so so he may have been uh, a Serbian or Croatian, maybe. Oh, amazing! Yeah, and that's that's basically the only, uh, well, one of the two video game characters that I can think of uh, who are sort of either Serbian or Croatian, and the other one, uh, the other is of course, uh, uh, well, in the game he's pronounced Nico Bellic from GTA 4, but of course, uh, uh, the way we would say it is. Uh, Niko Belic, but yeah. But what was was that character? Where was that character from in the game? Well, was uh, not Russian. No, no. Uh, they explicitly don't mention any actual countries, but it's very clear that uh, maybe they mentioned just the Balkans. But it's very clear, sort of, uh, just looking at the name and uh, like he sort of um, 
he was in a he had been recently he had recently been in a war and so on. He it's very clear that it's well, either from Serbia or maybe one of the neighboring countries from ex Yugoslavia. And do you th- like that, that? That's curious because like this is one of those kind of unique perspectives I get on the show where because I'm like you know a, a, a white man who grew up in the UK like most things I see myself represented all the time kind of thing especially in in TV and movies and stuff. so with the sort of this Serbian character in a in a game like did you notice any I don't know like like traits like personality personal or like societal traits in that character that well, you recognize as being kind of part of your your culture i suppose uh not really it's more a part of this well first of all like in gta 4 most characters are sort of over-the-top caricatures but uh other than that um it's uh it's it's your usual well not, not quite usual i mean usually when you see especially in the 90s uh usually when you see people from from these parts they're sort of uh, criminals and stuff like that, uh, yeah. you know, b- bad guys. Now, th- this this is a sort of this is sort of similar in GTA 4. He he is meant to be sort of sympathetic and he is the protagonist, but he's he's still sort of that kind of sort of immigrant that becomes uh, a criminal rather than rather than something else. So it was sort sort of Hollywoody in a way. Yeah, I always find that fascinating. I spoke to I don't know if you've listened to the episode, but I did an episode with uh, a chap called Ori Takamura who grew up in Russia. Yeah, And yeah, obviously the, the first time that, you know, there had been Russians in games were like always the bad guys and in stuff like Command and Conquer. But that was, they would embrace that anyway because they could still, they could play a Russian character in a video game. That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So so what what happened with this uh, first laptop? That, uh, no, this first computer that you got, your first yeah, yeah. PC, that must have been a, a big deal considering how much you, you were into it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I remember, especially this one spring, I think it was spring of 2002, uh, where I sort of played back to back. I played uh, Deus Ex for the first time, System Shock 2, and then No One Lives Forever, uh, the first one. And then I think I went back to Deus Ex for, uh, to, 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 to play it one more time. So that was like the best spring ever that's a good run also, of games it doesn't no one lives forever doesn't get enough credit like you know people always still reference deus ex and system shock 2 but you don't get as many references to no one lives forever but it was so brilliant yeah yeah like, you don't get sort of uh sort of good quality humor in in first person shooters anymore uh but but yeah what i forgot to mention is so, so the, the way i finally managed to get this sort of uh, pc of my own was sort of um, on the one hand, I think my um, my mum was sort of um, got fed up with me asking her, and uh, also I think something changed in, in terms of sort of her workplace and banks and the situation, the country. So she was finally able to sort of pay in in, in installments. Uh, but the other thing that happened was uh, uh, one of her sort of best friends' husband. Uh, they they lived in in Germany at the time, and he worked for Lufthansa. And sort of he was like a systems analyst or something. So he got um, uh, he had some sort of some PC parts components sort of just lying about, and he offered to to basically give some of the old bits to me. So basically, I got a graphics card from him, um, a sound card, and, and RAM, and then then we bought the rest here. And uh, so that was it. That was it. The April of two thousand one, I remember. So uh, the, what I basically what I did throughout high school for those four years, I would just play, 
uh, all those games that are sort of missed and, and sort of recent games as well. And then I mentioned how sort of the, the, the place where we would get ga games uh, at that point was this CD club that was run by this married couple in their yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. 60s. Yeah, well, one thing, uh, one of the reasons why this sort of particular place is important is because they were subscribed to PC Gamer UK for, for a couple of years. And then what I would do is you would go, you would sort of um, say which game you sort of wanted. And then while you waited, uh, you could just you know leave through PC Gamer UK. And that's that's how I sort of first heard about, you know, Kieran Gillen and John Walker and all these other guys. And then at one point, I think I just sort of Googled it. And um, at that point, this is now maybe uh, 2000, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe six, but at one point they sort of started this podcast, and then uh, I think, um, yeah, I started listening to that podcast, and then uh, in that podcast they mentioned RPS, and then that's how I started reading RPS and so on and so forth. Um, so how, like, with um, I'm curious about like when you developed such sort of strong English, because clearly that's kind of your profession out to an extent. So it's like. Do you think that, you know, the fact that there were these magazines written in English and stuff, that that kind of made you want to learn it more? Do you think that that shifted you in that direction? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's basically one third of the puzzle, so to speak. So you had TV shows, you had uh, movies, and then you had you had games. And sort of, um, you know, uh, there's a bunch of vocabulary that you don't really hear in TV shows, but that you do see, like in games. I, 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 um, I remember this one word that I. Um, this was, I think, in the fifth or sixth grade. Uh, so my my English teacher at the time did not know this word, and it was a common word for us because we would play these uh, RTSs, especially uh, in particular Warcraft Two, if you remember, and uh, on the PlayStation. And it's the word uh, to raise, as in to raise a building, right? Like R A. Yeah. Z E and she didn't know the meaning of raise, so so that was funny. So you got one up on the the teachers through your video game uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, and then at one point, just unrelated to games, you I I started reading you know, like books. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, in in primary school, it was definitely you know games and TV shows and and movies. So. And Together. so why why do you think you were you know because that is what you do now you 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 teach English like was there a particular reason you were drawn to that be like beyond just the the games and things like that why why it would have progressed um, i suppose like why it's become because you know i'd understand of course you're inspired to to learn it for for enjoyment purposes but then to kind of pursue it to that extent well i think when when the time came for me to sort of pick you know what i would study i i wasn't sure sort of I, I was interested in a couple of different things and then i i just enrolled um uh, into the faculty of philology because uh, at, at that point when i was sort of 18 19 i think i i was like well uh this is easy to me so i i i, I may as well just study english while i maybe decide what I actually want to do. And then maybe I'll also just realize once I start studying English that this is, you know, perfectly fine and that I uh, sort of, I will want to do something related to English. And okay. then this, th that's basically what happened. At the end of the first year at uni, I, I sort of realized that, yes, indeed, I, I do want to continue with English and then that I'm fine with 
uh, uh, doing that. That's good. That's, that's very, very pragmatic. Um, yeah. And clearly you quite enjoy it. So, so what did anything change like with your sort of video game playing habits? Like, I imagine that's quite a difference purely to have a, you know, a PC in your room because prior to that, it had been a very communal experience, all of your video game playing. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, it was. Uh, I think although for the first couple of years, it was actually in, in our living room because uh, sort of, uh, I'm not sure why, but I think it was partly because my room was very small and partly because sort of my mum wanted to check her email from time to time and uh, stuff like that. But but still, it, it was quite different sort of going from uh, sort of either watching my friend play or just playing with him or with them uh, to, to just uh, playing single-player games. But it wasn't too too weird to me at the time. And what we continued doing is, well, what we started doing, rather, so we stopped doing uh, sort of frequenting these Sega clubs or PlayStation clubs with consoles. But what, 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 uh, what started appearing in those sort of early 2000s are these sort of PC places like internet cafes or just LAN places. Uh, you, would still, you would still pay by the hour, but because we didn't have broadband in Serbia back then and, until, until 2005, uh, basically if you wanted to play PC games in multiplayer, most people would have to go sort of outside of their home and go to these, go to these LAN places and so on. So uh, we still continued playing some multiplayer games, but we would do it uh, at these places. And so uh, like, that's like 2001, 2, 3 and 4. And were they uh, all we, still just within the building, kind of thing? Like you know, people mm, converting little flats, or were these separate places? No, there? no, these were these were separate places. These were like uh, sort of instead of being like basements uh, um, and those sort of basically broom closets. These were slightly bigger uh, places, but still like uh, it was general sort of like uh, small business like shop yeah, uh, okay. space, but just converted to. Uh, like an internet cafe yeah, yeah. so but it was still within walking distance i, I remember two of them uh were still within walking distance so the first and it was still these basically uh what what we first did it was still this basically like four of us or maybe like if um any of us invited additional friends like five of us or six of us and at first we would play like age of empires 2 and starcraft in, in multiplayer like two versus two uh or perhaps unreal tournament but then uh, we started going to this other place, this bigger place, and then everybody was playing Counter-Strike at the time. And then we just sort of, um, at one point, I think we just stopped playing um, real-time strategies like 2v2 and, and started playing uh, Counter-Strike with these all these other, other kids. So it was like, you know, 5 versus 5 or 10 versus 10 and whatever. Do you think, uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you think you were... Um odds in how much you were into games like like you know certainly for me growing up there was a, a time when playing games was very kind of niche and very kind of uncool sort of thing but i wonder if because there were these clubs that it was much more not accepted but that just it was something that everybody did like do, do you feel like you were kind of the the nerds over in the corner or did just everybody play games growing up uh i think we were still nerds yeah, because because uh, even though if you go to one of these places, everybody there is playing games. But then you go back to school and like uh, in, in a class of 30 people, uh, maybe there's like four of you tops who are into video games. So so it, it's still it's still uh, uh, and it was similar actually in, in high school. It was uh, at that point, it was still 
a, a bit of a niche pursuit. Uh, yeah. I suppose having these clubs means everybody who is into games is going to get to know each other pretty quickly because that's where you all go. Uh, that's true, but on the other hand, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially this one friend of mine really made some great friends there. But uh, I, I didn't spend too much time there when I was not playing. You know, I would just go there. We would play for a couple of hours. I would go home. But this other friend of mine, he was, she would just, he would just uh, spend like the entire day there and he made like some good friends and then later on he was one of those people who were like into bands and music and yeah. some of his i think some of his sort of bandmates he originally met like playing counter-strike amazing yeah but otherwise yeah also uh because this was before social networks it wasn't like you'd meet a person in person and then you would exchange you know uh, you would friend, you would add them on Facebook, yeah, and then yeah, you would yeah. sort of keep in touch. This was like, you know, when you're not actually physically there, uh, you basically uh, you're not in touch. And we we never, I never, at least like exchanged emails with anyone or whatever. So at that point, in like in, in those years. So from that point on, have you been kind of PC ever since, or have you gone back onto all the consoles and stuff? Like, how did your like I guess, like maybe when you you left home, like if if you left home for for university, did you take all your computers with you, or did you buy consoles? Or I know you see because uh, no, so people when when people from Belgrade study in Belgrade, they basically never leave home, right? Okay. So I yeah yeah so uh, but yeah also the, the the same kind of thing continued where basically no one I knew was owned a console or was into consoles or anything like that. So, so we, we sort of, the people I knew more or less continued being PC only for, for, for years and years. Uh, I was sort of, I was, uh, what I did do was at one point I installed some, some emulators and I went back to uh, a couple of those arcade games like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, a couple of those Mega Drive games like Rock and Roll Racing and uh, one only one PlayStation game, which was Final Fantasy Tactics. But other than that, I also, for some reason, basically stayed away from emulators. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, as a sort of, I mean, reading what people have written about some console games, I'm sort of, I'm sad that I, like, haven't played uh, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, and and Ico and uh, Dark Souls and stuff like that. Although obviously I can play Dark Souls on the PC. Yeah, uh, but yeah, sure so it's wonderful. I know it's it's not it's not it, it's it's that type of game that I I I dislike in terms of um, repeating the same stage more than once. <laughs> if okay. you see what I mean. No, I do. So it's, I do. It's, yeah, it's the exact it's the exact type of game that would make me rage quit <laughs> and i would i, I was just i i, I definitely although i wouldn't uh, what i did do is one of my friends from uni he like i think his brother had a playstation or, or borrowed a playstation for somebody and then uh, this friend of mine played dark souls and 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 i watched him play for maybe a couple of hours so i i would like to i would pr probably prefer watching someone else play then, then actually um, go through the whole thing on my own. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to to stomach it. Well, uh, since we brought it up, it's, it'd be worth um, let's just do these these quick fire questions that I do for everybody I speak to. So, uh, Andrej, if you were um, 
if you were having to play a game with death for your own mortal soul, what game are you best at? Uh, I like to think that I'm sort of reasonably reasonably good at all games, but I'm not. I'm not too competitive. I'm not all excellent. games. That that's bold. That's like oh, whatever. Reason, I, said, I, I, did, I did say reasonably. I did say reasonably <laughs> good, <laughs> but I'm not excellent at any one game. I'm not very sort of like. Uh, um, Sort of um, working on my chops and and if you, and if you are getting... on the spot though, you have to. But make yeah, I, I would probably pick this this sort of little game called Crimson Land. I'm not sure if you heard of it. I don't. I haven't though. So I originally stumbled upon it, I think, in 2004, and for a while, for like a month, I I played it obsessively, and I I was quite satisfied. Uh, in the end, by my sort of high score, and then years later, it, it was greenlit on Steam, so you can you can play it on Steam nowadays. And uh, I, I bought it and played it, played it again for a bit, uh, but only for a bit to sort of just remember the the whole thing. It, it's basically like a top down uh, shoot 'em up, and okay. then you're in a, you're in a field, and then all these sort of uh, monsters like aliens and zombies and insects appear and uh, power-ups appear and new weapons appear and you just need to stay alive for just us. like smash tv basically or robotron uh probably i'm not sure what those are they exactly as you described just top down yeah sort of twin stick shooters yeah um, so if i could if i could get as good as i was back in 2004 or, or five i i would probably pr- play crimson land with i'm gonna check that out because yeah. i do love that style of game um Okay, so you mentioned it. We've kind of already answered this, but still, like, are you a competitive gamer? And have you ever been locked in any high score battles with anyone? No, so so I've, I've never never been interested in high score battles. But uh, during that time when we we uh, went around these sort of land places um, and played, like I mentioned, these real time strategies two v two, I was even then. I was I, I was not the most competitive of, of of the four of us. So I would always be like when we played Age of Empires two. I would I would always be more interested in coming up with like a new strategy that may fail or may not fail instead of actually just beating the the other two guys. So uh, I, I guess I'm not too competitive, and and uh, even today I I have absolutely no problem with like uh, sort of changing the uh, difficulty level from like hard to normal or from even from normal to easy in some games like I'm, sometimes I'm it makes it sh- better yeah I'm, I'm not ashamed of sort of doing that so i guess i'm i'm not competitive that's fine i mean you know that's people go to games for different things um what uh if if you are prone to such things what was your worst rage quit uh, I'm not prone prone to rage quits, but then again, I tend to avoid games that would make me <coughs> rage quit, like um, Dark Souls or, for example, even Spelunky. Like I, I think I, I just couldn't, I wouldn't uh, like hit my keyboard or throw throw the controller. I would just quit the game very quietly and uninstall <laughs> it. That, that, that's my approach the fact that you're kind of you're staying away from rage quit games that implies there was some terrible <laughs> rage quit in the past I'm like no i can't go back there no uh, i think the the, the only one uh, of those games which sort of uh, sort of uh, evoke that reaction from me that i did play for maybe 10 hours maybe 15 hours is binding of isaac okay uh, but still every time i would die it's like I would go through this whole psychological process of sort of coping with the fact that I, I, I will need to start over. 
<laughs> so, so yeah um and and just to sort of finish it off um because comedy is such a, a rare thing in video games what games have really made you laugh um the answer is either no games or maybe one game uh and i i like i like this question uh because it's sort of uh i i don't i'm not sure if you've found this but generally when it comes to humor for me there's one type of humor that i sort of really like and appreciate but that never makes me actually physically laugh and then there's <laughs> another type which i sort of don't necessarily appreciate that much but it does sort of push uh, some buttons and it does provoke a physical reaction okay and and so uh, in the first type um in the first group you would have games like all those LucasArts uh, point-and-click adventures, like uh, the Monkey Island games and yeah, yeah, uh, stuff like that. And also games like uh, the Stanley Parable and so on. So the, these are the games that are sort of I like. Intellectually like. funny. Exactly, exactly. So I think like if I ever went into sort of comedy writing of any type, that's the kind of thing I would probably of course, do. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, the, the the things that make me laugh usually, like when I was a kid, that would that would have been like Charlie Chaplin and Abbott and Costello. So it has to involve some physical elements, maybe slapstick, but not necessarily slapstick. Like for example, uh, when I f the first time I I, I saw um, Eddie Izzard, he made me laugh. But it was especially in those bits when he would, in addition to sort of this sort of uh, his humor he would also there, there would be a physical element of like his face <laughs> or, or something like a combination of things so uh the only game that i think made me laugh a bit uh and it's it's uh it's, it's it involves a, a sort of a dead it needs to for me i found it needs to involve a deadpan element okay uh and it was it was gunpoint by tom francis which uh, I don't know if you've played it. It's, I haven't it's, actually, no. And I've always meant to play it. It's one of those games that I'm always like, oh, I should play that, and I never get around to doing it. Yes, so I, I wasn't expecting this. I expected a game like uh, you have a detective, you have uh, it's a puzzle game, uh, you have a hook. Like, um, um, what's what's the expression for? Uh, I, I suppose a, a... A grappling hook. A grappling, that's right. A grappling hook, and I, I wasn't expecting any any writing in that game. But it turns out that between missions, uh, you do get some writing, and then his particular brand of humor does have this deadpan component. And at one or two to, uh, one or two points, it, it, I, I'm pretty sure it did it did make me laugh. It's it's uh, in that respect, it's similar to like occasionally, rarely, but PG Woodhouse will also make me laugh when it has this sort of, again, uh, sort of a deadpan uh, a line in a story or something. So has there ever been a point where games have kind of waved for you, where you've kind of moved away from them at all, or have they just always been around? Uh, not really. I, I just, uh, as I grew older, I just uh, sort of the amount of my sort of spare time got severely reduced. But I was, uh, I was never, never like, I, ne I never stopped for, for longer than maybe two or three months uh, and i definitely don't recognize the thing that you sometimes mention in, in in your podcast uh the thing like when you sort of get to your sort of teen 
or high school years, then you sort of be, become interested in bands and music, and then you abandon games. Yeah. So it, the, the first bit of that was definitely true for me and, and for some other friends. Like, we definitely did get into sort of music and bands and stuff like that. What we never stopped being, we never stopped being into games. Uh, the only thing that sort of varied is how ready you were to, to sort of admit your addiction <laughs> and to talk publicly, publicly about it, but you never actually sort of stopped, uh, stopped doing it. And so I guess, like, what about sort of the the last few years then? Like, has there, have you bought any consoles yet or are you still just enjoying PC? And I guess, like, is your, are you just as excited about games? Like, what sort of games have really uh, impressed you? Uh, well, the, the answer to the first question is no, sadly, I still, still sort of don't own any consoles, so I still play on my PC. Uh, and I'm definitely, definitely still excited about games. So the one thing that has changed is, from just playing a lot of games, I went to sort of uh, listening about them uh, uh, in podcasts and, and reading about them. Yeah. Uh, but then I, 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 because I just don't have the time to, 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 to actually uh, personally play them. And so I, I have these sort of bouts of playing two or three games back to back. And then I would sort of uh, uh, take a break for another couple of months, unfortunately. Hey, that's crazy like such big gaps is that just because you're you're busy or yeah yeah basically just because i'm busy oh uh, that's heartbreaking after all this <laughs> this love of video games i know i know i know but I, so do, but do you that, find that, that's that's being sort of that's being an adult <laughs> sadly but do you find like the things like i mean because to be honest even like i do this show and i obviously speak to a lot of people but I, I don't play half as many games as I used to, even just five or six years ago. Like, And I think probably I will get most of my gaming news and things from things like podcasts and videos as as well. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain games where I'm like, I'm never going to play that, so I'll just watch, like, I don't know, like a giant bomb quick look or something and be like, okay, I get an idea of that. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea, but I've I still haven't sort of uh, managed to to get into this habit of just watching, uh, watching uh, like let's plays on YouTube or, or or on Twitch. It's like yeah, yeah, but it, it it does sound like a sort of very practical idea, just sort of uh, like a compromise between actually playing it and and just ignoring a game. But I do like 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 most people nowadays, I suppose I do have this huge steam wish list that just sits there and yeah just thousands of games that you've bought on sale that you know when will i when will i get around to all of these exactly exactly um so so like i feel like this is like a natural ending but like is there anything that kind of hasn't come up that you wanted to to mention uh yeah there's one just one thing i i forgot to mention and that it, uh, it could have been an uh, an answer to the uh, one of the quick fire questions that you sometimes ask uh, uh, has uh, have you ever been like addicted to a game so much that oh, you just Oh of course just... i missed that question yes yes a game that's consumed your life Yeah more well uh, it, it's you you'll see uh so what happened was uh, that b- best friend of mine from from childhood you know uh kid uh, we sort of started drifting apart, uh, as sort of is often the case, uh, like when you get older. Uh, this happened during high school. So, uh, like, we, we were still talk to one another, but we sort of didn't spend so much time and so on. Uh, we just started drifting apart. And then um, this happened maybe like halfway through through high school. And then what happened uh, when 
we were at the very end of our fourth year, that's the final year of high school. This is 2005. So two things happened. First of all, in, in late 2004, uh, WOW came out and we both read about it and we were both sort of still fans of the sort of Warcraft universe because we originally you know, played Warcraft 2 as kids yeah. and then we played Warcraft 3 as teens and so on. And then, but we knew that we couldn't play it primarily because in 2004, we, we only, we still only had, you know, 56K modems and stuff like that. We just didn't want to consider it. But then what happened in 2005, uh, for the first time in, in Belgrade, we, we got broadband. And sort of, I got it, sort of, I, I think you had to apply for it, like in early 2005. And then I finally got it in, this was, I think, June of 2005. Okay. And for some reason, for some reason, because of this landline condition, even though he lived in the same building, his flat wasn't eligible at first. So he couldn't get broadband in 2005. Uh, and then, but uh, because I, I, I got broadband, uh, sort of, and we sort of both graduated uh, high school and we were free because basically between high school and um, uh, because uni starts in October, you have this huge summer, basically the longest, okay. the longest summer of your life, basically when you uh, typically, I mean, at, at that point, uh, in, it wasn't common to get a, I think, a, a summer job or, or anything in Serbia. So we were basically completely free. And I was sort of considering uh, getting WoW and playing WoW. And then, but I didn't want, I didn't tell him anything. And then he come, came to me and he was like, what do you think about sort of us playing this together or have you considered like playing wow and uh, and we did it we, we went, went out uh, to to actual sort of brick and mortar shop we bought two copies of wow and i think this was for both of us this was the fir the first time we actually bought a game legally uh, <laughs> and then because like i said because he didn't have broadband he brought his pc to my uh, to my living room and then we sort of both connected to my to my broadband and this is, I think, in August 2005. And for two months, maybe a month and a half straight, we both played it together, like, day in, day out, like, eight-hour days uh, uh, most times. And it was just magical. This was one of the best gaming memories for me. We would always play together. Like, uh, uh, we would do all the quests together. And yeah. I, I remember I played, a, I played an undead warlock and he was an undead rogue um and then what happened uni started and then we at, at first we had to cut back uh especially sort of uh, uh, at my request and then after the first i think month of uni i just decided to to to, to quit it first uh, uh, partly because of uni itself because of all the homework and stuff like that yeah but then uh, uh, the other reason was there was this girl, right? And I, I sort of didn't know how much time that would sort of uh, take up. Okay. Uh, like, I wasn't sure. And then for those two reasons, I just I sort of decided to tell him, like, <laughs> it was like basically, it was basically like breaking up. Like, <laughs> I, I had to break it to him that I wasn't going to play WoW anymore. And uh, basically what he did he is... is this mutual acquaintance of ours was also interested in WoW, and then what I did, I just sold him. Actually, I didn't sell him. I just gave gave my uh, account and my copy of WoW to to this mutual acquaintance, and then the two of them 
uh, continued playing. So that was basically it for me. But what happened with this friend of mine is he got properly addicted to it, properly hooked. And then he basically uh, just, he just didn't pass any exams and he just continued playing WoW, for, I think, for another two years, more or less. Uh, and then he basically quit uni and then started a different uni uh, at some later stage. Do you still keep in touch? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from time to time, yeah, yeah. Is he okay? <laughs> more or less. Uh, what he does, <laughs> well, what he does at the moment is, as some other Serbian people I know, uh, he moved to China to teach English to sort of primary... Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, China sort of primary to, to, to primary school children you know, in, in China, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but now I'm sort of I, I basically it's similar to rage quitting. I sort of know my limits and I know when to quit. And the games that usually make me sort of reach this limit are are, are indeed sort of games by by Blizzard Entertainment, like Diablo and stuff like that. Do you ever play um, Hearthstone? Uh, I played for a bit. And I, I sort of knew when to quit. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what makes it easier sometimes for me is if, if a game that is sort of um, addictive, if it's a type of game that you can play while uh, doing something else, especially listening to a podcast or an audiobook. So, so for example, uh, when I play Diablo, I usually listen to a podcast. Uh, I, in fact, the first like couple of dozen uh, episodes of, of Checkpoints I listen to while playing Diablo. That's amazing. It's, yeah, it's so that like Diablo is a game that I've had to that I just I I I, I sold because that was when <laughs> I was starting to take over a little bit. Um, and I it, weirdly it was I didn't even like it at first. I thought it was really because it I didn't like the way everything moved. It didn't feel like you're actually hitting everything. But then mm. someone just power leveled me right to the top, and then oh god, then it all changed. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen, but like two days from now, the uh, the Necromancer is coming out. Yes, yes, I did see. So I, I will. I'll have to. I've made peace with the fact that I'll have to go back. <laughs> and, and yeah, but that's good. Like uh, it's a weird one, like because I've, I've spoken to a lot, a lot of people on the show who had kind of who who spent years playing World of Warcraft, and they just they're full of like happy memories of it. But like for me, I just I think the guilt would consume me. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, and I know I'm. I'm pull me in, you know. I'm definitely glad I spent those two months playing it, yeah, and I'm. I'm a bit. I'm a bit sort of sad that I because back then the the back then uh, the level cap was sixty, and I think when I stopped, uh, we were like maybe fifty five. So I'm sad that I sort of didn't continue for another two months. Maybe hit the level cap. Maybe saw some of the sort of uh, end game. But who knows that's, what would have happened then? Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> about it. I'm, I'm definitely glad that I. I did stop at one point. Oh, amazing. Well, this has been a, a real treat, Andre. I hope you enjoyed it. Did you have, was it enjoyable for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. 